what I always love is that, and that's probably just my anthropology bit, but it's like, it's all new, but it's also all old. It's like, yeah, living in communities and actually what community means. Like the thing about the word community is it's been so co-opted by like the digital world that we now think it means some sort of like, I don't know, network, some sort of forum, but you know, community, neighborhood, real world streets where what that should mean if those communities have been allowed to grow and evolve naturally and organically and we haven't had the kind of social cleansing or things that mean that communities are like really um you know mono in certain areas then you should naturally yeah have like diverse communities with intergenerational relationships you know it's so funny because like if you think about things that were quite old school but so like sensible like a laundrette you know like the fact that you if everybody doesn't have to have their own washing machine, which we know we don't use enough, for example, and you have a place and a space in which you share one, that's a really practical sharing economy thing, right? But it's also a communal thing. It's an excuse. When you share, you have an excuse to get together. So I think from a sharing economy, like purely economic point of view, what we're looking to do is find a way that we can transition to an economy where we produce less stuff, but we extrapolate more value from the stuff that we produce because we design it to last and we build it to be shared so that you have that second life, third life, fourth life. But of course, that's not just about the physical economy. It's about the social cultural economy, isn't it? That that we then have a currency, a different kind of currency, because if you're sharing stuff, it brings you more value, more connections, more joy. It, and that's what I mean about finding solutions that enhance not just the things that we have access to, the spaces, the stuff, the skills, but also enhance our own sense of who we are in connection with other people, because that's what being human is. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with me, Dan Burgess. Hello, thanks for tuning in. This is Dan. Welcome to the Spaceship Earth podcast. Uh, it means a lot that you're tuning in and listening with uh, with podcasts emerging all over the show where we look these days. Um, this is episode 35. And in this episode, I'm in conversation with Olivia Knight. Now, Liv is a social entrepreneur. She's the founder of collaborative gifting platform Patchwork. She is um, an activist on sort of multiple dimensions um, at a community level in South London where she lives uh, and also serving multiple kind of social and climate issues. Um, Liv is playing a key role in the development of the kind of sharing economy here in the UK and she currently is chairing the UK sharing economy platform. Um, She's an ex-brand strategist. Uh, She was a partner and brand strategist at Eat Big Fish. Um, She was a former creative director at um, Do The Green Thing, which is a a brilliant climate and environmental creative platform. Um, I've known Liv for some years and in full disclosure, myself and my partner Seema invested into her patchwork business when she started up about six years ago. Now, Liv is someone with tremendous energy and vision and a fierce believer in equality, fairness and social justice. Um, And so this conversation was a real delight. It was, um, again, recorded in early May. So apologies, it's taken a few weeks to get out. But with my neck disc injury, uh, it's taken me a few weeks to um, to get on top of all this. But anyway, um, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I hope you do too. Check out Liv's work, check out Patchwork. All be in the links in the show notes. Um, but let's get to it. This is episode 35 of the Spaceship Earth podcast with Olivia Knight. 
We live on a life-giving rock called Earth, hurtling through space. How bonkers is that? So Liv, welcome to the Spaceship Earth podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. That's all right. Good to, good to uh, chat via this new Zencaster thing that I'm dabbling with at the moment. Yeah, well, I'm uh, really, really pleased not to have to see your face as much as I would love to see your face. But <laughs> as we were just saying before we went live, um, the endless house party Zooms and all the rest of it is actually quite nice to have pure audio and to yeah. sit and talk to each other without having yeah. to look at a screen so very happy here thank you I was um I was uh, I think I was hearing something about people were sort of getting back into kind of old school phone phone calls and oh stuff oh my god I've um, been on my house phone very very much definitely <laughs> loving yeah. it very old school yeah <laughs> it's brilliant mm. bring back the voice yeah um so thanks Liv for agreeing to have a conversation no, and, pleasure. Um, and um I want to obviously dig into kind of lots of stuff. I want to dig into the whole patchwork story and and understand. And also, just for, you know, we will. I probably want to give my listeners a little bit of a a bit of context or a bit of your story, I guess, because always like yep. to kind of people like to understand a bit more about how people get to doing what they're doing, and yep. uh, you know, some of the some of that journeying is always really interesting. So, um, you know, I think you know you've you know. In my in my head, when I look, when I think of you, I see you as a you know a social entrepreneur, but I see you as very much as an activist as well. Yep. From a kind of social perspective, environmentally, but also very much there's a very strong community. I see a, a real sort of community activism in you and uh, and the work that you do. You've come from originally like the world of branding and communication. <laughs> yeah. You've also you've had that you've had that part of you. You know you've had that journey as well. Yeah. And then you've been developing patchwork for well, it's quite a few years now, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're very much at the sort of forefront of the kind of the British, um, the sharing economy, the kind of kind of sharing movements. Um, so you chair that, and mm -hmm. so you know you've got you've got quite a lot going on in your in your kind of uh, <laughs> yeah, <I have. laughs> your, your, your system like of existence. <laughs> so yeah, so like exactly. So we will dig into all of that because there's some brilliant stuff, and I'm and I'm also really fascinated how this stuff is, you know, is responding and 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 you know in in light of what we're all experiencing now and um yeah particularly where so we'll, we'll we'll dive into all of that but um I mean I guess I'd love to know a little bit I'd love to listen to hear a little bit about you know your a bit about your story how you know how you're sort of at where you are right now but maybe we could even just start with a little bit of right now like how you're feeling in this moment and where where you're at just to give a bit of context yeah yeah and I think that's the thing isn't it and it has been said so much but I think it's that we can't talk about the experience in one way because so many people are experiencing lockdown and mm. coronavirus in in like a, you know a multitude of different experiences um, and I think certainly me and my husband have been in that position of going bye babe sorry that's my <laughs> son going for a bike ride um, yeah I think me and my husband have been in a position where actually we feel like we've never worked harder um, I run my own business, Patchwork, which we'll come on to talk about. He is trying to run a radio station um, that talks about sport all day when there isn't any sport from our flat in southeast London. The two kids wow. are trying to do schooling. Um, and I think we've almost been like, oh, I wonder what it feels like to be bored or I wonder what it feels like to play board games because we haven't been doing any of that. So I think, yeah, there's, yeah. there's that element where it's actually felt quite intense and really hard for us work-wise. Um, and also, I think a lot of the media, because it's written, you know, generally 
by sort of, you know, middle class white people who often yeah. are in a sort of position of relative, you know, like um, sort of privilege are often yeah. experiencing a very different thing as well. So I just think a lot of my friends that are, you know, Barney, who's a bus driver, or my cousin Roisin, who's a nurse, or my friend Tam, who's a child psychotherapist, like there are so mm. many people who are on the front line in one way or the other, working in Tesco, whatever they're doing, or supporting people who are vulnerable, who need the kind of care and support at the moment, who are finding this very, very different and not the kind of quiet, pause, reflective time that Mm. generally we're speaking about. Um, So it does depend who you are and what you do and how secure you are in terms of your life, your work, you know, your own resources, your community around you. That means that I think the danger is that we start talking about COVID-19 as if it is one experience um, because those people who are experiencing it in a way that have access to the majority of the media might be telling a sort of different story so I think it's really great when you do get to find the different voices and the different stories that are coming to the surface because I think we'd be wrong to kind of think oh isn't it funny us all sitting here twiddling our thumbs which I hear quite a lot and I'm like god yeah Mm. that's that's not certainly not true for everybody but I think one of the common things probably that we all do feel however hard we're working or, you know, whatever our situation is, that when you do step out of the flat, um, you know, step into your street, it is quiet. You can hear the birds. There aren't any cars on the road, really, relatively. Um, A clean air, like all that stuff, you know, not seeing or hearing planes in the sky. Hopefully, we are all at least getting that sense of quiet and that sense Mm. of pause. And I think that is, you know as we'll probably come to talk about, really crucial. We need to kind of hold on to that and think about what we Mm. want the world to look like when we come out the other side. Um, But yeah, so for me, really glad to be doing audio and not more staring at a screen, given that that's what (laughs) I do all day. And actually my husband was um, asked to take a week off holiday um, from work uh, before June, before sort of football kicks back in again. And so I decided to take a week off this week. So actually we've had a holiday at home with the kids. And for the first time we did play some board games and, you know, Woo-hoo. I'm planning on doing a jigsaw and all that kind of stuff. So we have had some time together this week because I almost wanted to kind of get through lockdown and be able to share those stories of like, oh yeah, yeah. hanging out with the kids was fun because I felt like up until this point, yeah, it's been it pretty happened. Full on, yeah, yeah. yeah they, luckily, is they're it, sort of eleven. Yeah. Oh, no, no, older now. Um, thirteen. My son is now thirteen and sixteen. So, yeah. sort of left to their own devices, and he's getting really good at FIFA. So, I mean, yeah, well, what can I yeah, say? Exactly. <laughs> there's, some, there's some some deep some deep gaming uh, learning yeah, going on definitely. in the world. I mean, it's, it's interesting. You know what? I you know I've been reflecting a lot on exactly what you were just saying about these different experiences, and you know, in many ways. I wrote a long, a long post actually on, on Medium last week about this. But in many ways, if you've if you've had sort of five or six weeks where you've been able to sort of be in your home, mm. um, and 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 you know, in, in many ways, you 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 have a privilege because um, do you know what I mean? In, in safety, yeah. you've you've able to yeah, remain yeah. safely at home. And actually, what comes, what I'm interested in is what comes with that. Then you know, what comes because there's a sense with you know, with, with privilege should come great, greater responsibility. Yeah. You know? So if you've, if you've witnessed if what's being revealed during these times, mm. both to all the things you've just spoken to, you know, regard, you know, whether it's, whether it's, you know, the, the, the professions yeah. that, that are keeping this, all of us alive and sustained, mm. um, which we've always tended to see as, you know, down down the ladder whether yeah. it's or whether it's you know the the vast parts of the population who are, who are suffering 
every day like this yeah. but actually now we're being it's being revealed even more yeah um do you know what I mean and so mm. there's these there's these different reveals that are happening and I guess you know because I I've had and then there's been and then there's been the sort of the, the sort of middle class piece that you spoke to as well and then there's also a little bit of tension there about some of saying so what I've heard other people saying it's like you know actually sometimes noticing the joy of maybe some people's lives that they've created and that they're 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 having this moment of joy with their children and yeah yeah of course yeah you know, and also you've got to you've got to recognize and celebrate that as well because what's that telling us about you yeah know, what's te- what's that telling us about you know or that they the joy of being able to eat properly or mm-hmm. or create food together and so there's mm-hmm. all the like you said there's all these different experiences and there's all you kind of need to hear all of them right? yeah and under- or at least understand that they're all there yeah and this and uh yeah but anyway. also I think it comes to the thing about choice because and I was listening to a um or I was part of um tortoise media did a talk with um thinking with julia hobsbawne who's just written a book called um simplicity principle and which was fascinating really great and thinking about exactly that how people might within this context learn to appreciate you know slowing down pausing doing those things whether it is baking bread cooking with the kids you know going for longer walks all that kind of stuff um and another friend rob poynton's just wrote a book quite recently called do pause oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and just and i think from an individual perspective all of those things are really interesting and it's really useful for us to see how we can apply those things kind of pause reflection simplicity in our own lives but i think the key thing that came out from me from the, the thinking which i raised in the session was but it's also about choice like one person in the session was saying um you know i choose to work less and earn less because I want to spend more time with my kids and it's like yes because therein lies your power that you can choose to do that and I think that's the difference is that so many people when we live in a um, sort of capitalist society that almost depends on promoting insecurity sort of systematic Mm -hmm. insecurity for people particularly and obviously in terms of the labor market people don't necessarily have the choice to do those things So, so yeah great to be able to you know, choose to not work or choose to be with the kids or choose to homeschool. But if you're trying to juggle a million things because you don't have that choice, then that's when things become really difficult. And of course, what's been amazing to see is that a conservative government has come in effectively with um, short term solutions that are providing the kind of safety net that that allows people to make those choices. So if you're now furloughed and you're protected, you can, you know, homeschool your kids. You don't have to be worrying about your income if you feel that you're protected in yeah. one way or other, if you qualify for all those different things. And of course, your employment status and all that comes in as well as, as another sort of layer of issues. But I think what is really fascinating about this time is that people might start to be moving much more quickly to those ideas that were considered kind of radical about, you know, working less, four day weeks, universal basic income all these ideas around what we can do in terms of politically via the state providing safety nets and a kind of fairer system that allows people to be supported and then and therefore make their own choices um feel much more like a sort of potential reality which i think's really interesting um mm. you know i mean yeah we can dig into all of that as well yeah no sure. no absolutely mm. ab- absolutely and i guess um one of the i was um had a conversation um, yesterday that was, it was a friend who's been talking a lot about um, actually re- relationships to money and mm. and how and and this um, the stories that we tell ourselves about money in our lives and um, but he was also talking about actually like um, what what is so missing for for most of us from and you know particularly those who um, who 
in many communities have less of this at all, but is is the ability to a uh, be able to question life yeah, <laughs> from t- quite a young age, totally, totally. <laughs> and 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 then b to have community to to listen and mm-hmm. and hold those questions with them, and these yeah. sort of very two kind of sort of quite quite sort of um you know simple principles that actually mm-hmm. feel again that have been sort of stripped out a little bit of how we how we go about our well, of course, because if you if time is money and and we and we're always scrabbling to, you know, look after ourselves, feed the kids, you know, make sure that everything's kind of working, then of course you have much less time to reflect and think and question and wonder how things could be different. And yeah, so yeah, hopefully this is giving many people, and again, obviously, um, different for for everybody, but a, a large a larger proportion of people giving them the chance to have those kinds of yeah conversations questions reflections yeah and and maybe yeah. just daydream a little bit as well maybe just dare to hope a little bit which is yeah but nice. <laughs> well, we were exactly but we were sort of thinking like you know from an earlier age if you know if you're you, you know increasingly it feels like you know the way that we um move through a system let's say like in the uk you know the ability to question things mm. at least it appears to me and looking at how people have researched and it, and from my own experiences, watching my own children, whatever, it, it feels like a lot of the systems, it, you know, you don't allow much questioning no, <laughs> to, no. to go on in mm-hmm. a young a young age about why things, why mm-hmm. people, you know, why we live, how we live, or yep. or why I might be feeling different to what you're telling me, mm-hmm. or why this idea you're asking me to learn doesn't mm-hmm. really make any sense to me. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and then and then and then to have that sort of ability to be sort of heard mm. and not judged mm-hmm. um and and the reason i bring these out they're very simple things but it strikes me even when i you know when i look at like patchwork which we should go into but you know there's a it's a very it's a very community it sits in community doesn't yep. it patchwork as an idea it's very yep. much i mean I, I maybe you should in a set just give give the give a little bit of a, uh, yeah. a question of how it works but i do remember so i just want to say like when i when i i remember when you were first um you know uh pitching this this yeah. whole idea and it was years back but yeah, I remember six you, years it'll be this year that's yeah. right and I remember that phrase you had about it's it's like a whip round yeah it's a basic and and it just really struck with me this whole idea of of again how people and communities support each other more yeah and, and, and whether so anyway like, I'm rambling well but, no but, but that is funny I'm really glad you brought that up actually because <laughs> that was my that ended up being my pitch because it was my um my nan who totally undermined my like really clever jazzy whizzy kind of PRE pitch because basically I started out um saying patchwork okay so it's a platform that lets friends come together to collectively contribute towards one big gift or experience right and mm. I was like, it's a bit like kind of Pinterest meets Kickstarter. Because the idea mm-hmm. is you can, if you're, you know, parents and your daughter would like a bike for her, you know, fifth birthday, you can literally kind of create a patchwork. So a board, it's obviously better visually than it is on a podcast, Dan, but, you know, I'll well, give I'll it a go. You know, so you can then you know, show this kind of patchwork of images that represents the bike broken down into its component parts so your friends and family can come together and they can go, great, I'm going to give 50 quid for a saddle, 20 quid for mm-hmm. a wheel, or I'm going to pay £2 for the bell. Um, and as it's evolved, actually, from feedback from our users, it, when, we, when we launched, when I was first pitching, it was all about money. It was funding one big thing piece by piece. Now it's evolved that you can contribute cash or time or skills. So somebody could say, yep, we want a bike for our daughter's birthday. You can fund a piece of it. Or you could say, um, 
I haven't actually got any cash that I'm able to give, but I will come and teach your daughter to ride her bike in the park for an hour. Mm. That could be a gift. So I started out with this kind of pitch. And then my nan just said to me when I was trying to explain it to my nan, oh, yeah, it's not a new idea, love. It's a whip round. And I was like, <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks, nan. Um, totally making me feel like that's not quite as exciting and new and revolutionary as I had thought it was. But of course, actually, that's the most fundamental point. That's the thing that's most interesting and useful about it is that we're not inventing something new friends and families and communities and neighbors have always come together to support each other to chip in whether it's for a birthday present a wedding present whether it's to help somebody in the community from a point of need or just to celebrate them you know chipping in to patch the church roof or whatever it is that's a whip round we've always done that it's just that what we're doing with patchwork is making that experience of contributing money, and as I say, also now time and skills, much more meaningful, much less transactional. So you're not like chucking money in a hat. You are showing people the experience or the gift that you want people to contribute to, and they really get that tangible sense of how they are celebrating and supporting somebody. And it's you know it sounds really cliched, like I sound like a Disney character, but it's like we actually make dreams come true. It's amazing. Like, and what you realise is then to use another cliche from the Beatles like you you really can sort of do so much more when you you know get a bit of help from your friends basically if mm. everybody chips in what they can afford or contributes what they can um we can really do and create and make amazing things happen so it's it's I suppose in some ways it's you're right it's totally about community we're not actually a social enterprise we are a for-profit business or at least would like to be for profit one day yeah. profit would be good um <laughs> But it's, it's really around celebratory occasions. So I guess the kind of crux of it is saying what we're enabling people to do is friends and families to come together to celebrate their love for somebody by collectively contributing towards something that's wanted and needed and not going, I love you, here's a ton of shit you don't need, which is yeah. what we've been doing. So coming back to your point about questioning things, it's actually mm. what children do really well is just ask those really obvious questions that I think we often forget to ask as we kind of become good consumers if you like as we're taught mm. to consume things and stop sort of being uh I don't know but yeah people that ask the obvious but curious questions and I, and yeah. I do think that was the fundamental thing for me is why do we or have we at least only because it's not forever but for the last sort of 50 something years found that the best way to show our love for each other is to buy shit we don't need I mean, it's just we spend money we don't have buying things people they don't want, consuming resources three times that which the planet can, you know, support, yeah. and it all ends up in landfill. So it's actually like, it, 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 you know, it makes me angry, and therefore it makes me want to do something better and different and an alternative that is positive because there's no point just getting angry and saying stop buying stuff we have to show people a better way um and with patchwork it's the, the basic principle is just saying get one thing that somebody really wants and needs not you know 50 things they don't um, yeah and how's that how's that been that journey because because uh, that was i mean that was still you know someone you know like yourself who's sort of been on the on the on the sort of the the front lines of a lot of these shifts for, for quite mm. a few years at least yeah. and, uh, much the last decade and more 12 years or whatever but it's like you know you you sort of seeing these blank faces quite a lot still around you know unless just talking to the converted and the bubble you know it's like <laughs> trying to reach <laughs> trying to reach out to more people around some of these you know post-consumerist ideas or you know mm. like um you know valuing the experience like a gifting experience versus, you know, 
saying, well, you know, I've, this bit of material I've given to you. And, you know, these are, these are, you know, obviously there's, you know, we're seeing more and more bigger things that are happening around us that are sort of, I think, starting to accelerate people's understanding of, of, of why this stuff is better on so many fronts, but mm. it's a t- you know, tough journey, right? Because it's, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to rebirth or birth something mm. that's radically different to the current setup mm. yeah 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 <laughs> so what's that been like, like yeah and actually what... I thought it was on the podcast with Sophie from Birdsong I think she made that really good point it's just so hard to create almost new sort of models um where they don't necessarily exist because you're testing you're you're like prototyping in the hope that it's going to work because because actually when you're up against such huge forces um it's really difficult to do something different and make it work commercially in order to prove that it's not just possible but that it's productive and it's potentially profitable which you know is is important if you're going to make a shift you know um it's it's funny because you said at the beginning about like starting in branding and I think that's it it sort of taught me a lot and I suppose there's like almost a parallel journey it was connected but that got me to starting patchwork and that is as you said when I came out of uni like so many of my peers we all who had been studying I was studying like English literature anthropology a lot of my mates were like creatives and Mm. we came out of uni and all got sort of sucked into advertising branding marketing that kind of world and early early 90s yeah well late late for me it was it was probably like what was I uh yeah yeah, like 99 I think I graduated 2000 so um I remember coming out of yeah uni and thinking this is good I didn't really I definitely wasn't interested in it and I never have been interested actually in like business per se as in I'm not like I don't like defining myself almost like as a businesswoman as if you go out into the world going I want to do business I'm only interested in a certain type of business it's doing a certain Mm. type of thing that feels like there's some value and point to it Um, and I wasn't particularly interested in branding it was all very new to me but I think what was interesting for me was that I was interested in language communication um, art theater ritual all the things that actually make us human, how we communicate mm. with each other, how we kind of perform, how we engage, how we communicate and persuade each other to behave in different ways. And of course, branding is all about that. All of those things go into, you know, branding, marketing, and basically all serve one end, which is capitalism, of course, depends on branding, marketing, and advertising to persuade us to this point again, to buy stuff that we don't necessarily need. That's, that is the main purpose it's it's persuading us to buy more fly more consume more stuff and you know it's and, easy and of course it makes us happier oh, yeah <laughs> yeah massively much happier um yeah it makes us feel massively inadequate too fat too ugly too old um you know not fun enough unless we are buying all the things that we're supposed to buy and I think you know, it, it's not that I, I enjoyed working in as I did for a long time. And I worked for an amazing agency, actually, that's called Eat Big Fish that specialised in helping challenger brands compete with market leaders. So really brands that were purpose driven and were going up against the kind of status quo in one way or another. Mm. Um, but I think ultimately, I and lots of my peers then felt like, hold on, we're sort of on the wrong side here, if you like. And I think it, I could only make that choice and I'm just saying this because I think this is again important about kind of privilege I could only make that choice to leave advertising and marketing and do something different when I felt like I'd 
sufficiently been able to you know support myself protect myself and back then like not at all possible now I could like get a job coming out of university work for a couple of years and get a deposit on a flat you know so Mm -hmm. once you can only afford in a way to have your values or to live your values when you are past the point at which you you can basically afford to is what I mean you know so Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone should beat themselves up about working for brands or businesses when you're still trying to just make things actually work your own survival is like you know your kind of primary thing but I suppose I got to a point where I thought and and like many people did that I knew where we were like hold on we need to use all this creativity all this power all this um you know the art of persuasion if you like to to persuade people to do things that actually help the planet rather than you know destroy it so I joined Mm. do the green thing which um was set up by x agency um founder Naresh Ramchandari who was mm. an ex-Kamarama and and of quite a few of us all sort of joined in order to help to persuade people through art through creativity through all of those like you know amazing sort of talents and skills we collectively had to fly less buy less consume less and I think that's kind of it was those two things like knowing how to build a brand I guess understanding through do the green thing that yes when you're trying to persuade people to to go through some sort of behavior change it is important to have panic you know Greta Thunberg says like you know don't say don't panic like we do need to panic but then we need to act but on the other hand I think mm. I, what I learned through that period was also making sure that you can highlight and show the positive alternative so you're not just boring people or 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 frightening people but you're saying look how much better more beautiful and different things could be if we behave differently and I think that's probably what is underpinning patchwork is it's not saying stop buying stuff it's saying if we come together collectively we can enjoy the things that we really really want but cut away all the crap that we don't so it, it it's it's not saying to people no you can't have that handbag yeah amazing you can have an amazing handbag if everyone comes together and chips in for one that will last you 10 years because it's been made better it hasn't used mm. sweatshop labor you can feel good about the whole process so it, it sort of fits into that buy less buy better um you know kind of trend I guess um but I suppose those were the sort of things that informed me with patchwork and what I loved about it was I could start a business that wasn't trying to sell anyone anything like that's what I love we've got hundreds of templates for people to kind of look through but actually we're just saying you use the platform in whatever way works for you we're not the gift police and that's why I have to kind of have a bit of a um, side note on the fact that our our kind of principles and our purpose are very much environmentally led but we don't tell people what they can or can't use the platform for. We have templates that inspire people, but we do have people using it to buy their kid an Xbox or to, you know, go on a honeymoon to Mauritius. So it's not as if I'm saying... Yeah, don't have like, alarm bells going Do you know what I mean? It's, well, actually, it's funny you say that because we're thinking about it. What we, we want to do is, particularly coming out of this and thinking how, because a lot of people do use the platform as an alternative wedding registry um, and yeah. a lot of people therefore use it to fund honeymoons and we try to promote honeymoons that are you know slow travel and things like that but again you because you're collecting money globally from friends anywhere to spend how you like um people can spend it how they like and and what do we do how do we behave as a responsible business that Mm. says you know these templates for example for these honeymoon funds um are you know rated a certain you know five star versus this one that's zero so at least we can inform people of the decisions that they're making when they're using the platform to organize and fund certain things um but it's a challenge for us definitely because you 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 want to respect and facilitate the things that people really want and need and be useful because the worst thing you can do is 
you know, buy things we don't want. Um, it's fascinating to see how these behaviours shift or, or evolve, isn't it? Right, post all of this madness yeah. at the moment, because yeah. you know, from from travel to the types of things that you still want to buy versus it's it's, it's it feel like this is a lot a lot up in the air. Yeah. Um, and um, you 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 sort of as you talked about with the the, the um, you know, with the, with the wedding experiences and when did you start to, you know, how are, I mean, is there, a, do you have a sense, I guess, of experience over physical products or how does it work? Do, yeah. you, do you get a sense things are changing or? Definitely, definitely, definitely. So I think, I mean, obviously right now for us, things are really, really hard because the majority of our um, people using patchwork are using it as an alternative wedding registry and all the weddings have obviously been cancelled this year and as a business we make our money it's free to use the platform if you ask people to make and do stuff it's always free because that's the kind of behavior we want to encourage about contributing time and skills rather than buying people stuff but Mm. if you um, use the platform to collect funds towards something we take a 3.6 percent commission so obviously Mm. it makes more sense from us as a from a business point of view that we target weddings because you have more people coming to a wedding, they give bigger gifts, therefore we make more money off a, off a wedding sort of patchwork, as it were. So that's been really, really hard for us now. And it's not that those weddings are cancelled. You know, love is not cancelled. It's just postponed yeah. until next oh, year. Oh. But it's hard for us as a business to get through to that next year and, and also yeah. not knowing what next year looks like. Can you only have 10 people at a wedding? Will it be different? I think the thing that's really good and strong about patchwork in this current climate kind of corona wise is that we're a platform that allows people to come together online to kind of give from a distance in order to make something amazing happen in the real world so we're definitely seeing lots of lockdown birthdays obviously lots of zoom parties where people have all chipped in through patchwork towards Mm. um, a particular present or experience so we're definitely having to kind of focus on that as a business more around other occasions um and 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 of course we've seen lots of we've always waived our fee for any charities that use patchwork we absolutely just from a kind of resource and business point of view focus on celebratory occasions we're not trying to compete with just giving or you know virgin or any of those we're about um families and friends and communities not sort of crowdfunding in the broader sense but we're definitely seeing more people using patchwork now um and we had a brilliant kind of um uh campaign which was a local campaign to us because we're based in lewisham southeast london for lewisham hospital where we raised six and a bit thousand pounds i think in the last couple of weeks for food boxes as kind of gifts to lewisham hospital staff so we're already seeing that kind of that sort of shift which is really really brilliant um but i think even as you said prior to coronavirus we're definitely seeing and it's obviously the types of people that use patchwork but i think we're even within those that audience we're seeing absolutely the move towards experiences over stuff and i think Mm. that's there's a lot of stuff that that's packed into that it's things like millennials who obviously no matter how hard they're working or how kind of good their job it's very very unlikely that people are able to buy their own homes so we have most of the people that are getting married are still living in rental accommodation that means you've got a smaller flat you probably don't need loads of stuff things are so much cheaper anyway now and that's obviously one of the big problems is that because fast fashion you know cheap stores enable people to buy glasses and toasters when they need them people don't need to wait to get married to get themselves a new set of plates 
you know so mm-hmm. we're definitely seeing around weddings it's all about experiences and not stuff and I think right. the things that we're seeing people funding are really really interesting so we had um, a flock of sheep funded as a wedding <laughs> present um, <laughs> about a month ago we've had several patches of woodland being bought so you could buy like you know a seed packet of seeds or you could buy a tree or you could buy some earth per square meter um joint tattoos is quite a popular one for patchwork things that are basically expensive you can't buy in a department store and you know one person couldn't buy you you know i suppose um and and it feels like there's a there's a there's a you know there is a yeah i guess this this meaning there seems to be something around more meaningful definitely kind of things that are popping up and that's interesting as well isn't it as we sort of yeah looking at how um the search for the search for meaning that continues definitely definitely. well it's funny because that's I don't know if I ever said this to you but the reason I called it patchwork partly because of this whole piece by piece you know coming together collectively but actually uh, uh, way 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 back the first wedding gift we ever gave disgracefully obviously was the woman I mean that was what a wedding was you were sort of giving your daughter away as a gift to a family as a part of a trade and then that sort of evolved in terms of like the kind of idea of a dowry. And, but, but originally wedding gifts were effectively a way of bringing families together. And it was only really sort of the, the idea of a physical gift that the couple got to enjoy themselves sort of emerged around, I think it was sort of late like 17th century, um, where they were given a patchwork, like literally a patchwork quilt. And that quilt was made up of the, the available scraps that the family had to spare from whatever fabric they had laying around. And it was given to the mother who would then sew these patches all together to create a quilt that obviously represented their love and their union because it went on their wedding bed. But it was that idea of people coming together using what available resource you have to create something that's beautiful, unique, useful and lasting and that that inherently has all of those all of that meaning, all of those memories, all of those people like bound within that mm. physical gift. And I think people are definitely, definitely looking for things that have meaning and an excuse to bring their people together in a way that they can all sort of tangibly feel. Um, So yeah, stories of people going with their wedding guests to visit patches of woodland every year is a lovely idea. Um, You know, looking down at your tattoo and knowing your whole family helped you have it is, 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 is kind of fun and meaningful and more lasting than some plates or crockery or whatever that actually 50 years ago they might have lasted a lifetime but the idea of someone buying you that kind of gift for your wedding when those kinds of products now aren't built to last and the glass will break within the next six months yeah um is all just feels very disposable so yeah I think we are seeing that we are seeing that shift definitely and how does um yeah I'm interested in this sort of, you know, gifting culture, when we think of, you know, gifting beyond, again, beyond the kind of material or the or, or beyond money, and, and we start to look at things like, yeah, the gifting of, of time or assets or things that we can share more or gifting of, you know, even yeah. knowledge, experience, yeah, skills, yeah, yeah. these kind of things, like, how, how, I mean, obviously, again, and all this stuff's been bubbling up right for some time but mm. it sort of feels like again like what is going to come out of this massive shake-up that yeah. we're experiencing and are these types of ideas which have been sort of yeah you know being kind of prototyped for years in communities and mm-hmm. through different platforms and whatever are, do, do you do you sense that things like 
gifting and sharing are going to become much bigger parts of a, of a, a more sort of hybrid economy, if you like? What's your sense on what's going on? Yeah, I think it will. And I also think it has to. Like, it has to for our survival. Like, it really, really does. And, I, and I'm not even talking about the massive recession that's about to hit us. Because, of course, at the moment, people are talking about the crazy corona times we're living in. This is the secure time. This is where we know what's happening because we, we understand lockdown. There's rules. We know how to behave. It's coming out of this that's going to be the chaos. And I think the recession that will hit will mean, as often does in recession, that people will need to be more resourceful, will need to be more collective, will need to, we will need to share more. Uh, and also much even more importantly, but of course connected in terms of the climate, like the, the, the terrible thing is that, of course, what we've discovered now through corona is that it is, of course, possible to act incredibly decisively when there's an emergency and you can right. get planes out of the sky and you can get people, as long as you provide a strict sort of set of rules that people understand to be fair and that people mm. like, what's his name, Neil, Neil, what's his name, who set up the, um, you know, the recommendation for the government on the um, social, uh, yes, isolation. The prof, and, but, but we then, we then uh, humiliated, because he, 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 only, he only helped avoid tens of thousands of people dying and then he saw his girlfriend quickly and exactly. got, got vilified. Anyway. But, you know, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think if, exactly, I think we can, what this has taught us is that whilst, governments and businesses have been telling us in these last few years that those of us who have been out you know campaigning and on the streets and you know uh demanding that we do something about climate change now and that we can't and it's difficult and it's not possible and the economy can't cope and there's not enough money and business as usual all that sort of stuff we now realize that it is absolutely entirely possible to make those kinds of decisions nationally and internationally to change the way we behave in order to avert a a disaster so hopefully (laughs) we might take some of that and use that going forward. Um, yeah, it was, it but, was um, yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, go on. No, it was just making me think about this whole thing about, there's a lot in all of this, right? But there's this, there's what you're talking about in terms of, yeah, this, obviously this, this need to act more collectively. Um, yeah. Uh, taking responsibility, rethinking all of this stuff from resources. This is, the science thing is so interesting to me of what we've experienced in this sudden suddenly like you know you know you know all of us sort of who've been sort of you know deeply concerned about climate and ecology for, for all these times of you know always trying to bring the science yeah. into the thing and obviously you know it's just this sense of like governments and 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 corporations seemingly sort of choosing which science they want to believe Definitely. in which science they don't want to believe in and it's yeah. just this has been fascinating seeing how quickly scientists have become like mm-hmm. you know the the focus they've been mm-hmm. wheeled out by world leaders mm-hmm. you know you've got pms and presidents pointing to the scientists to answer mm. questions and it's, it's i've been giggling a bit i probably shouldn't but this whole like you know that like the way that the british government do these like podiums at five yeah. or whatever it is those yeah. three podiums right yeah. and i was just thinking again what happens post this like will we can we imagine a sort of climate where you've got like um you know plaque says you know you know, stay at home, share more, stop buying crap. Guided by the climate science, you know, Definitely. like protect our planet. You know, you can imagine yeah. these sort of placards along the front. You yeah. know. Can we, you know, because you can't, how, how can we get this much behind the science yeah. or something and then, and then reject what exactly. the ecological and climate science yeah. is telling us? But, but, and I think know. you're so right about that. But then, of course, what we're also hearing is that we're hearing the science and of course, what the science is to, to, to the government is different to the science that's being 
listened to by other governments. And, and, the, and the really important thing when it comes to science is that you have open, transparent, peer-reviewed science that guides decisions and not private groups yes. of select scientists that you don't really reveal who they are and you and you and you and it's not sufficiently either transparent or independent enough because we've heard that Dominic Cummings has been sitting in those um, sage sessions you know like so you're right the government is now using the science as if it would be wonderful if they listened to the science as you say for the last (laughs) 10 years but 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 it's also about how they're defining science that that actually there's not you know there's 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 the science that suits the plans at the moment um yeah and I I think to have more transparency on all of those um, opinions and all of those, all of the different working and the modelling would be would be really good for us right now. And it's it's yeah. interesting that they're happy to top follow just a few sort of recommendations from some sort of secret scientists, and yet the whole of the scientific community has been warning about climate change with with no one. I mean, apart from the odd, obviously, absolutely bonkers, you know, wheel them out climate denier. Um, but there's absolute uniformity on what needs to happen about climate yeah. change from the science I mean, there was community, like, and it's was, still being ignored. Yeah, I think it was like, was it? Was I think it was November or December, wasn't it? it was like you know, eleven thousand climate yeah. and scientists now putting forth this this new demand. And you think to yourself, you know, that's a, you know, that is the bulk of the leading science, yeah, all yeah. the leading scientists. And it, it, it's fascinating, isn't it? And how, like you say, how we've responded to a sort of a, 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 a what feels like a sort of edited kind of scientific view of mm. not quite sure who or what but we've wheeled out science to be at the forefront yes. because of you know yeah and so yeah I'm and really that's great and it should be from now on yeah. but yes one that is yeah. yeah open and transparent yeah and so to your point about sh- like sharing I think mm. obviously the share patchwork is absolutely like part of the sharing economy and that's the reason that I- patchwork isn't just a member of SEUK which is the sharing economy um, UK trade body that represents sharing economy businesses that allow people to trade their space or their skills or their stuff so we're a member and I'm also um was elected to the board and then as of the last year I've been chair of SEUK and I think it's and what's that it's, all that? what's the what's the mission of all of that well it's, a, it's a, yeah and it's really it's a very simple mission it's a very diverse group of businesses that we represent so um across a number of different sectors but I guess so it's things like companies like Patchwork um like her fashion rental platform so a lot of startups SMEs um but also the big guys like Airbnb is a member Gumtree is a member so the platforms themselves can be very different in terms of the products and the services that they provide I guess the one thing that we all have in common is that all of the sharing economy businesses are about empowering people to utilize existing resource and therefore reduce waste. So whether it's your skills, your space, or your stuff, if we're sharing it, then obviously we are pooling resources and we are reducing demand for newness because we're using what is already out there and, and existing. So I guess, yeah, we're, we're quite a broad membership. Um, it's quite a small trade body, you know, compared to something like the CBI, but we are affiliated to the CBI. Um, and at the moment, you know, it's actually quite tough in the short term because Whilst we're all digital businesses, um, 
and all obviously platform businesses, it's almost like, oh, great. The assumption has been that the high street and physical bricks and mortar companies or businesses, cafes, restaurants, retailers have been affected. But if you're online, you're somehow kind of immune, I think is almost like the sort of overall headline is that digital business is doing quite well because people are ordering stuff from home. With the sharing economy, although the platforms are all online, we're actually about connecting people in the real world. So if you're using Gumtree to buy secondhand, I don't know, bike to come back to the bike again um you're paying for it online but you're having to go to somebody's house to pick it up so we have definitely seen that there's been real challenges and the same for airbnb with people a not being able to travel of course that's a major issue um and probably like a relatively we don't know sort of short term in terms of like the airbnb are saying that from a local perspective they're expecting people to still travel within their own countries but obviously it's gonna be much more difficult traveling abroad and there'll be pros and cons for the environment from that point of view um pros but cons for lots of businesses obviously like airbnb but the other thing is the kind of perception about staying in somebody's home you know the idea that a whole millennial generation that have rejected kind of corporate bland you know chain hotels um in favor of a kind of local human experience where they can stay in somebody else's house and explore a kind of local culture but also you know, understand people better, I think, from kind of sharing the, the homes that we have and sort of swapping and sharing. That's going to be really challenged just because of people's sense of I want something clinical and cold and a hotel room with a sort of hand sanitizer and some free shampoo might seem more appealing, you mm. know. And I and I think actually there's no reason why we shouldn't be receiving things secondhand in the post from eBay or Gumtree. Um, it's no different in terms of the spread of coronavirus for something being sent online that's being packed by somebody, you know, but that sort of perception of secondhand stuff, of sharing, of making contact with strangers. um, Culturally, I think that's going to be really difficult for a while. Um, You know, things like car sharing platforms that are absolutely brilliant from an environmental point of view, where, of course, the, the objective is to have public transport, which, you know, should be connecting up cities and villages through public transport and trains and buses over airports and over cars but where your people are living in villages where people are driving you know one car because they their own car the idea that you can have pools carpools and sharing cars and having four people using one car rather than four different cars on the road is is really important as we kind of go forward and and actually we need to get 30 million cars off the road um Mm. by 2030 so you know the sharing economy is one way that we can help to reduce that so I think you know you've seen good stories like Olio the food app um, with people wanting to share more food that they're not eating within their local communities so people who were finding it hard to access food but then on the other hand you've got that sort of resistance of even going to people's doorsteps and that fear um, about the proximity to people is obviously difficult I mean there was a conversation there was a um Uh, a meeting with Bayes um, and one of the journalists asked you know is the sharing economy going to be dead for good you know after coronavirus for this very reason and I think it's the opposite I feel like the sharing economy is not a new disruptive economy it's the oldest economy in the world before we had this thing called money it's what Mm -hmm. we did we traded our stuff with each other we bartered we swapped we um you know 
that's all we've ever done really before we had money and I think it's kind of the only economy that kids understand you know this it's, it's what we do is we share we swap we barter we trade stuff in the playground we get it um and I think in a way it's the it's the economy that will survive this yeah. crazy economy that we've got now but it's going to be hard I think in the short term yeah and, and it's making me <clears throat> think a lot about um like how we might expand our concept of a sharing economy so for example you know what you're talking to there but what 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 happens if you know again we're seeing glimpses of this through you know the situation they're in but you know streets are finally being truly shared right because we've cut cars out of them right so people are out people are playing people are walking people are noticing stuff right there's all this land right that Mm -hmm. we could be ownership that we could be sharing for people to start growing food for example or all these empty shop spaces Mm -hmm. that we could just be opening up you know free or whatever Mm -hmm. to share to kids and communities to actually Mm -hmm. start doing things you know um so we could be sort of sharing you know a lot you know I think the whole idea I'm kind of interested in this sort of radical sharing economy which is sort of it's not just assets and, 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 and and how because that feels like you know that 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 idea, this idea now of yes, yeah, sort of sharing much more radically what what we have, access, skills, technologies, information. I mean, informa- information, yes. right? If we yeah. just share information better, yeah. let it just go. You know. Yeah. Um, no, and I think you're so, right. With yeah. even on a really practical level, like we're already seeing, like Sadiq Khan this week talking with all the other like mayors of cities across the world, talking about how to use the opportunity to develop the cycling superhighways, as you say, like widening pavements in order to allow people to socially distance at two meters but how brilliant to narrow roads widen pavements makes you know cycling much easier and safer around our cities um the other thing i think it's been really amazing is like all of this time where the government has said you know oh it's really difficult to do anything about homelessness well as soon as corona hit all of those all the majority as far as i understand it and i work with and support a couple of homeless charities um you know, homeless people are being housed, yes, in hotels that might otherwise have been used by people who are traveling to London. But we know that there's a huge, ridiculous, obscene amount of unused buildings right. across the whole of the UK, which, you know, nobody's dared to kind of requisition, yeah. if you like. But this idea of radical sharing is absolutely right. If a space is not being used and it can be used by somebody who needs it, why isn't yeah. it being used? And why aren't we developing systems that allow that to happen in a way that can make a real difference at scale and if you think about it like you're talking about you know common spaces if you go right back to like you know all the stuff we learn at school about the enclosure acts and stuff you know commons common ground we had to take those grounds we had to make them common for all of us to to have as our kind of collective wealth and yet in recent years we've seen that our public spaces have actually been privatized so places that you think are public are often not you know their own like around king's cross are really great examples of all of those spaces that you feel are open to you as the public and actually they're very much you know owned and controlled and and to give us actual genuine access and sharing and opening up the land so that it's used for the common good um and and space as you say is it feels like so obvious and and now is definitely the time I think yeah yeah I mean it's and it's as you're talking it's making things like um you know all this again you know for those for those that have have been able to to work from home for example or who are employed in employment which has, enables them to work at home but like all these office spaces like what's going to change are people going to mm. want to keep servicing mm-hmm. or 
open resourcing all these absurd like commercial spaces mm, totally. uh, at the same time that we're trying to sort of you know pay, pay we're doing it to pay for the cost of servicing our own yeah, yeah, spaces yeah, of course. Yeah. and then and then what yeah. you know what what can we not imagine like that some of these spaces being you know reconverted into kind of community housing mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. different types of co-working spaces much more affordable living spaces yeah. for people yeah i mean again it's just that's what I'm really sort of in, I'm intrigued by what will happen now yeah. with, with this, you know, oh, I just came off a call with a, you know, I don't, I don't work for too many, I don't have too many corporate clients these days, but the ones I, I do have are pretty good. And I just came off a call with one that's a big, big business, very, very purposeful. And he was just saying, they just, you know, they've just, they've all been at home. They're a global business, but he said, but it's radically, and they're a retail business, but it's mm -hmm. radically shifted how they're going to think of their office space and yeah. it's just, and how they work. And yeah. And I've heard lots of conversations with people who, you know, business owners or whatever, who are saying, wow, I mean, I've got, you know, 30, 40 staff. I'm like, why am I even, you know, everyone's having, everyone's being able to work better now. We've sort of got our heads around it. Mm -hmm. Why are we, why are we keep resourcing these places and yeah. expecting people to go to them all the time? And yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And also, I think this thing, I was listening to a podcast, and I'm now going to forget which one it was, because obviously, too many. There's a few out there. There's a few out there. <laughs> um, but it was, it, they were interviewing the founder of Flickr, female founder of Flickr, and I've now forgotten her name as well. Mm. I'm very unhelpful. But, um, Back in um, the day, Flickr. I know, yeah. But she yeah. was um, saying, she was talking about how business, um, and particularly the whole sort of big business VC landscape is sort of the is set up to take people out of their homes put you in an environment which is entirely controlled totally intense often very male dominated 24 7 you know and that you you prove your success if you can cope in that kind of environment right mm. so it's that kind of idea that we've replicated here at silicon roundabout you know in old street and that you have to go hard and fast and if you can't mm. keep up then you know you're out because you must be a failure and if you want to build a life for yourself alongside your business then you're a lifestyle business and that's actually a coded insult because it means you're not serious and she talked about her ambition and that she felt like in the future our collective ambition when we're building businesses should be to go back to that idea of building a business from your home and what that really meant so she was talking about the reason we have names like you know Mr Smith or you know whatever it is that you were a blacksmith or you were you know Mm. whatever your trade was and that um or if you were a miller or if you were a carpenter or whatever um and she was talking about how families of course you know hundreds of years ago and for most of our time as humans would have worked together in their homes as a family that obviously was really difficult and had different constraints and all the rest of it labor laws not existing and all those things child labor and mm. all sorts of stuff but her basic point was that we should be thinking about business in a way that works with humans, not against them, which should make business more productive anyway, if you can make the people who work with you and for you more happy, more comfortable, and all the rest of it. And I think that will come out from this. I really, really hope, and particularly as we are at Patchworks, there's five of us women, we've already been effectively practicing our four-day working week because we're all, um, well, four of five of us are parents and all of us effectively work sort of four days um, mm. across the week and we have had a studio in Broccoli which we've loved and really sadly have actually just given up the lease on because of coronavirus and just trying to cut 
costs that are not yeah. people, you know, and as much as yeah. I've always felt that even though we've run a digital business and we could do everything remotely, the culture of work is so important and having all of us sit around the table together and have a face to face and be able to communicate and, and, you know, in that way has been really important for me. So I actually am really gutted that we've had to let go of our studio. However, I think you're absolutely right that A, it's not essential for us and if it means that we can work better from home, because one of the things we've learned through this crisis is how to do that better through technology, but also through hopefully, you know, managing our own time, our own mental health, taking walks, doing all those things, mm. then, you know, it, it could benefit us as a company, but hopefully others too. And, and it was also a brilliant, um, uh, brilliant interview on Sam Harris's podcast, um, where he was talking about the benefits of working virtually means that everybody can light their own candle. So at least you can have a nice smell in your room and you can eat, you know, stinky monster munch crisps and nobody's offended. Um, and you can like wear pants and like a nice smart shirt on top. So there's lots of benefits to working remotely as well, which I'm looking forward to doing now that I won't have to get dressed. I'm going to be working from home. And like you, I think I'm going to do um, try and work out at some point if we can afford to put a little space in the garden because we're in a flat and there's not much room for working when yeah it's 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 yeah these these sort of yeah it's 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 going to be so fascinating to to um to see the potential sort of you know these hybrids that can emerge from from this i was i was thinking you know just from a i don't know how where you sit with like the schooling and everything but it's Mm. even and again obviously you know I know, again, some folks are obviously utterly dependent on schools being open and there, yeah. and, I, and I get all of that again. So I'm speaking, again, I'm speaking from my point of privilege no, yeah, here, yeah, but, yeah. I'm, but, but I'm also speaking to like, sometimes, I'm, quite a lot of the time I'm thinking like, you know, as I'm sure you do, when I, I look at, all, you know, exploring all of these issues all the time, you're kind of thinking, well, why do we keep doing the same things? Mm. Why do we keep making the same issues? And you've got to look at learning and education totally. as a big, big piece of the of the problem. Not because of the kids' fault, or not because of the teachers' fault, but like who's designing the system? Mm. Because, because ultimately, like, so it's making me think again, like, through these experiences for those that've been able to have their kids at home. Of course, it's been super challenging at times, but clearly, there's been things that people have seen. Wow, a I didn't know. You know, I think as as it's gone on, people understand that, you know, they let go a bit more. There's mm-hmm. less controlling. There's mm-hmm. more ability to see that children actually half the time you've got to just let go, <laughs> not worry. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but but I'm interested again in like what hybrids might come out of this. You know, do you go straight again? I mean, it's all, this is all systemic, right? Because we're talking about assets and economies mm-hmm. and sharing that. Why have we got, you know, all these schools that have all their own buildings, all Definitely. their own stuff, getting De- kids to go there at the same time of day, every day, clogging up the streets. All these totally. issues are interconnected. And you kind mm-hmm. of think like, and then you bring in the climate ecological thing. How are we going to help kids mm-hmm. learn their way into a completely different world mm-hmm. that is currently not being catered for no. by our current system? And totally. So I'm interested in how that might evolve and what those dynamics of, you know, place-based learning community learning mm. skill sharing you know yep. all these kind of things you can start to see and I wonder at a local level again where these things might you know where again when when cuts are coming and funding is is mm. running out that these we've, we've had this chance to sort of prototype haven't we that's yeah. I guess and, and 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 realize that there are there are these new ways of doing things and it was making me think if if those parents or people who are looking after children are in a type of work which 
allows them to work remotely. Yeah. And we start to see these shifts becoming more normalized, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so then what does that say to children? If the world is going more remote or flexible or, do you know what I mean? That there's mm-hmm. more, why would you be putting, why would you be asking children to go to this place every day? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, interesting no and I think there's like again there's the there's the physical stuff there isn't there and then there's like the approach to it so I remember when my son came home once and he had some English homework and it was um describe describe this this flat um in three different ways and he he had to be an estate agent that was selling a property so you had to fill in the gaps to say the, the flat has a large living room and you could say spacious living room and you could say it had like a, a nice view or a, you know, delightful view or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, his English homework is learning how to be an estate agent. Like, where's his creative <laughs> writing? Where's his like this it just sums it up for me, really? Like, what yeah. are we doing? Like, you know, and people need houses and nothing against, you know, estate agents per se. But if we're saying to our kids, that's what right. you're aspiring to and what we're teaching you in English is how to sell a flat in three different ways right it, I mean it, it's just totally in my opinion absolutely bankrupt so like yeah the idea about how we how, even even if we're talking about how we equip our kids for the future how do we solve problems usually through creativity you know th- how do we communicate usually through learning how to share and to be with people <laughs> like how do we by allowing kids to have much more freedom around learning and the sort of questioning and the conversation and the curiosity like obviously that would make so much more sense and then not being again not just locked into the type of learning with the tests and the physical building to be able to get kids out and about and you know sort of taking on that role of teaching children all the many sort of variety of things that help us to become good human beings yeah. rather than being yeah. little kind of like I don't know I don't know yeah estate agents I suppose but what you're you know it's making me think of this again this this sort of more expanded view of sharing because it's kind of again you know if you look at the sort of these structural things that we're constantly faced with whether it's you know pollution environmental mm-hmm. destruction inequality um mm-hmm. the, the 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 gap between generations um you know, uh, the idea of waste, all, all these things, they're sort of built in to this way of yeah. being and learning yeah, yeah, in the definitely. world, you know, yeah. and it's sort of like, it's sort of like to, to break through that, Yeah, you know, it sort of feels like the opening up, uh, the connecting different people in communities, mm-hmm. you know, the sharing of knowledge, the, yeah. the rethinking of what it is to learn, all these things just yeah. feel so key. <laughs> definitely. And also like, they're all, like you say, what I always love is that, and that's probably just my anthropology bit, but it's like, it's all new, but it's also all old. It's like, yeah, right. living in communities and actually what community means. Like the thing about the word community is it's been so co-opted by like the digital world that we now think it means some sort of like, I don't yes. know, network, some sort of forum, but you know, community, neighborhood, real world streets where what that should mean if those communities have been allowed to grow and evolve naturally and organically and we haven't had the kind of social cleansing or things that mean that communities are like really um you know mono in certain areas then you should naturally yeah have like diverse communities with intergenerational relationships you know it's so funny because like if you think about things that were quite old school but so like sensible like a laundrette you know like the fact that you 
if everybody doesn't have to have their own washing machine, which we know we don't use enough, for example, and you have a place and a space in which you share one, that's a really practical sharing economy thing, right? But it's yeah. also a communal thing. It's an excuse. When you share, you have an excuse to get together. So if, you know, I remember being in Cuba and there was this one guy on the street who had an oven and everyone came to the house to use his oven. And like, yeah, of course, it's nice for everyone to have their own oven. But of course, what that meant is that people came together to commune in order to get something done. So I think from a sharing economy, like purely economic point of view, what we're looking to do is find a way that we can transition to an economy where we produce less stuff, but we extrapolate more value from the stuff that we produce because we design it to last and we build it to be shared so that you mm. have that second life, third life, fourth life. And of course, also designing things in terms of a circular, circular economy principles, which is very much connected to the sharing economy, where when something has finally finished its use, you can break it down and you can dispose of it in a way that's sustainable. But of course, that's not just about the physical economy. It's about the social cultural economy, isn't it? That that mm. we then have a currency, a different kind of currency, because if you're sharing stuff, it brings you more value, more connections, more joy. It, and that's what I mean about finding solutions that enhance not just the things that we have access to, the spaces, the stuff, the skills, but also enhance our own sense of who we are in connection with other people, because that's what being human is. Um, and so bringing it back to that idea of gifting, you know, what can we gift, not just in terms of like celebrating your birthday, but what gifts do you have? What skills, what talent, what time do you have available throughout our lives? Sometimes we're cash rich, sometimes we're time poor. You know, I, I remember at my, my cousin's wedding when she was asking people to use patchwork to ask people to contribute time and skills instead of stuff, you know, and my nan was like, oh, what can I do? I don't think I've got any skills. And, and she just said, oh, I'll wash up. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that you know how to play the violin. You know, everybody has a talent or a skill or some time. And yeah. actually, if we value that over stuff, over money, over the price tag, then I think we'd all find we'd live in a world which would be much oh, more enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. No, I love that. I love that. It's, um, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a merging I, we can we can feel it <laughs> I think so I think so and I, and I also think this fundamentally it's this idea we've we got lost thinking that you know th that the economy this idea of the economy is something that we serve rather than yeah. thinking no the economy is something that serves us we we create it we put it to you know and that's how we should be thinking about it it's almost like we've we've had this sort of at least 100 year whatever obsession with this thing called money which is actually a piece of paper that says i owe you but what do we owe each other just this infinite scraps of paper going round and round and round you know our real wealth is obviously it's our planet our real wealth is our kids is our is each other and i just think yeah if we can if we can really refocus what we mean um when we talk about currency when we talk about an economy and that it's it's really an economy is the thing that supports us as individuals yeah. collectively as communities what is that made of what does that look like and, and I love your idea of like you know all of the kind of grassroots community stuff that sh that should be the thing that drives us forward and that's what's always happened it's always you know things don't ever change because the people who have the power decide to hand it down and make right. a difference we didn't get the weekend because you know those in power decided it would be nice to have it was really hard fought same as civil rights human rights you know women's rights like all of these things are fought for and and designed by and demanded by people, you know, at a very grassroots level on the yeah. streets. And that's what brings about change. So I think 
the thing I probably fear coming out of this is what I don't want is that Cameron um, attitude of the big society, which is we're about to go in a recession. You've all been doing really great. Community's great. Now you go out and run your schools, you know, and you go out and look after your old people because actually we have a, a perfect system called taxation that if we all put into that allows us to pay nurses and carers and teachers properly to do those things. So I'm definitely not saying that the sharing economy should be people filling a gap that I feel that the state should be there to support. I think that's probably the danger. Mm. Um, but I think the opportunity is is huge for us to kind of restructure our, our communities, our ways of living and working so that we're more in harmony with each other and with nature would be bloody mind. Yeah, and they're, they're ultimately, you know, I think the, the thing I'm sort of intrigued by at the moment is how we shift the language and the, the words we use. But, you know, we hear a lot about um, governments talking about infrastructure investments, mm. you know, and it's always seen as like, you know, um, you know, heavy capital you know like mm -hmm. hs2 or mm. 27 billion on roads mm. and i've been ranting a lot about that recently but um yeah. uh, you know that between you know between hs2 and four thousand miles of new roads that's 140 billion quids worth of money like do mm -hmm. we really really believe that we need to go faster uh mm. between some places now like mm. 20 minutes mm. half an hour faster mm. um do we yeah. really believe we need to be getting more people into cars mm. To yeah, move yeah. around yeah or actually what might we do to create a different type of infrastructure yeah, with that, that kind of money generates life in real places mm. you know and so i think it, you know i think there is that's the thing isn't it it's it's um absolutely this is it's it's almost like you i sort of see this you know visualize what's going on and it's almost like we need to kind of like it's how do you how do we hold the most vulnerable mm. and the commons mm -hmm. over these coming months years so that the, this this sort of crumbling that's going on so those that are, are that are most experiencing uh you know the suffering how do you how do you create you know systems and infrastructure that holds that mm. and allows people to be safe right and at least yeah. and secure and you know and then how do you build from from there you know how do you start to build around around those and on, on that kind of thing versus trying to again top down yeah you've yeah, got to yeah. build from the bottom up it's yeah, got you've got totally. to build this kind of infrastructure that supports real places that honors places mm -hmm. you know what i mean and, and people in those places and actually allows them to to design this stuff you know mm -hmm. what it, what's what's the what's the life yeah. what matters to people what yeah. do they want to actually yeah. what's the future we want yeah. you know no i Crazy. totally totally and it's so funny because i don't know if i told you this story but it feels like it's it's quite a perfect example of it. When we were looking to raise um, money for Patchwork or more money for Patchwork, we actually went to speak to a VC. Did I tell you this? No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I did. Tell us. Um, I'll tell. Well, anyway, your listeners may not have heard. But yeah, I, um, well, me and Kim, so my partner Kim, we sat at the Tate Modern Cafe, and we were speaking to this VC guy, and he said, "Loved the business. Was really interested." Da da da. And he said, um, "Do you know what?" we look to, to identify and cultivate two things in the founders that we invest in. And so me and Kim were like, oh my God, what's these two things? Hope we've got these two things. This is really exciting. <laughs> and he said, fear and greed. Wow. And we both, I mean, I just started laughing and like 
it was like a reverse dragon's den. I sort of banged my hands on the table, laughed out loud and said, oh my God, they're my two worst, least motivating yeah. emotions. Like we're all about hope and collaboration. Like that's literally what patchwork is. Like we're not fearful and we're not greedy and that's not going to work for us. Like, no wow. I mean, he wasn't putting five million quid on the table, but we just immediately yeah. was like, okay, that's not us. But what is so interesting is that sums up to me exactly the model, not just the VC model, but the whole sort of capitalist panic model that has set us into the spiral that is meaning we are literally burning up the very planet that we live on, like setting our own. And ourselves. Yeah, and ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and it's because we're fueled by fear and greed and the companies that are promoting either the you know acceleration or at the very least the, the maintaining of the, the things yeah. that are causing the problems is because it's short-term fear and greed fear and greed and I think you're absolutely right if we can shift that round and go do you know what we need more hope and more collaboration let's look at what we want to see let's build the world we want to live in not be defending ourselves against the change that we fear are coming let's actually you know be proactive and positive and and find new solutions rather than being defensive I guess and I think yeah it's it, it struck me that I just said to this guy like it's not just what's wrong with the VC model it's what's wrong with the whole world that's why we're mm. in this mess fear and greed man let's stop with that I mean yeah wow that's yeah that's quite it's when you're hearing hearing that from uh, mm. <laughs> the folks sort of involved in driving the machines it's mm. quite um um, yeah, but it makes sense. So it does make sense. It does make sense. Less um, of that hope and collaboration. Less than that. Yeah, and I yeah exactly. <laughs> and I think I think there's a one of the things that makes me think as well on all of this is that it's it's kind of like um, you see it playing out politically right now. We always see it playing out, but again, it's this. And I don't know if it's a, I don't know if maybe it's just there's too many men around. I mm. think I wonder what was different if we had if we had more women that were were speaking for the for the country but it's it, I do get you know there's this real inability it's a fear of being seen not to know uh, or oh, to God. or, yeah, to, yeah, or yeah. to go you know I don't I'm, you know yeah, and so sure. the whole for me like this this not knowing is mm. is also really key for change like because yeah. you can't we can't know if we want to know what everything we're thinking of here we, if we have to have certainty or we want to know that everything's you know we're never going to move anywhere mm. because it's the not knowing which allows us to sort of move into kind of you know imagination and possibility yeah. and do you know what I mean yeah, and so I'm, what, this whole for me again this whole culture of 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 knowing of knowledge of a sort of head-based logic where you know the answers mm. and you know and you'll be seen to be known mm. and if you don't know then you're weak or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean but whereas yeah. it feels to me that what's being called for more and more is an ability to an openness to say mm. you know we we don't know we're going to try this yeah. based on this and we've asked everyone and we're inviting everyone into this process of discovery but yeah. how can we know <laughs> you're right and also if we don't try the only one thing we do know is we're absolutely fucked you know yeah. right so, yeah so let's try something different <laughs> i yeah. think um i think on that note <laughs> um uh so listen thank you for that expl that little exploration and i love I love what you're exploring with all of this work and I and I will point people to in the show notes to to, to a lot of what we've talked about. Is there anything you 
would want to share anything coming up any plans any anything people can how can people find the work or things that people can get yeah. involved with no i mean that's um as you just f- perfectly articulated i'm not really sure entirely of the future what i know that's is true. we have you know made some decisions at patchwork that make us safe we've got an amazing community of people you can find us patchworkit.com patchworkit.com um sharing economy uh, the trade body that i chair um is is actually at the moment got a discount um for any startups that want to join um during uh this difficult time needing additional support so you can find that sharing economy uh uk so you can just google that but i'll give you the stuff for the show notes yeah um i will see you on the streets i'm sure when we're allowed back out on the streets to continue our (laughs) activism i'm really um you know recognizing and respecting that it's difficult and impossible to get people together in the real world but i'm also absolutely determined that we do get back and we do ensure that um you know we come together as people where possible and appropriate to continue to campaign for and in a carnival sense celebrate what we have and build a better world together so i'm sure i will see you again on the next demo that we find ourselves at um but no it's been lovely chatting to you thank you for having me on no thank you Liv for what you do and thanks for thanks for the time I'm gonna I always ask this this little question at the end because um sort of basing this whole uh inquiry around the work of the you know the concepts of the spaceship earth and I like this phrase becoming crew oh, and I wondered it. whether I wonder whether what that make, makes what that says to you right now becoming crew oh my god I love it and I just love the name of this podcast I love everything that you're doing and becoming crew is you've nailed it it's it it means taking personal and collective responsibility and getting on board and getting on board this spaceship which is our planet we don't need to look any further we don't need to go out there this is it the most beautiful place in the universe we're here let's keep it um please i'm definitely very happy to be part of the crew um so thanks for having me on board oh thanks liv it's been great to catch (laughs) up and really lovely and um We'll um we'll be in touch for sure and uh keep on keeping on with all the awesomeness. Yeah, you too. Take care, love to the family. All right, Liv. And yeah, love to your listeners. Thanks for having me. Take care. Oh, brilliant. Bye. Cheers, Liv. Bye. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Olivia Knight. And I certainly did. I think Liv's uh vision of a different way of communities showing up, of sharing, of gifting, of supporting each other, of connecting with each other, uh, the diversity we can, the organicness that we could bring back into the places that we lived is, um, is yeah, who, who doesn't want that? And um, do check out Liv's work, do follow what she's up to. And um, yeah, can we bring this sharing economy on, you know, and particularly this, not just with the stuff we buy and use and consume, but of our relationships. How could we bring more of that on into the places we live? It feels like there's such a moment for um, for building on all this brilliant stuff. So, uh, yeah, if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please do please do share it or give us a rating or a review or a like on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Acast or whatever you listen on. It's um, it really helps just other people find it, and it's lovely to get a bit of feedback knowing that um, that you're finding this uh, useful stuff. Um, if you want to get in touch, drop us a line, Dan at the Spaceship Earth, or you can find us on Instagram, the Spaceship Earth. 
Um, if you want to check in to a monthly-ish sort of newsletter that I'm trying to get out, um, if you go to the site, thespaceship.earth, you can sign up there. Um, there's also some merch. If you want some nice teas, an earthling tea, or, or other various uh, things that we've cooked up, um, all helps to uh, uh, keep the, the show going. Um, so yeah, do do get in touch or, or shout out or share whatever you whatever you can. It's all uh, much appreciated. So during the um, during the uh, the lockdown, I did this little experimental series, uh, reflections from the Great Pause, and I started finishing the episodes with uh, with tuned with a tune. Which um, you know, I was a semi pro DJ for many years. I still DJ a bit. I love my music, and I thought, you know what, it's really nice ending with a tune. And um, I completely forgot as I sort of got back into getting these um these uh episodes out again as my neck has been recovering from a slip disc um i i, I chucked the one out last episode with tim and i forgot about this putting a tune on the end so i'm going to get back into that sort of closing the show closing the episode uh with a tune and so this one i'm going to close with a bit of an old it's a bit of an old classic this is this is a tune which i absolutely love there's something in it which just for me just there's an energy and a an emotion and a feeling which is just i don't know kind of kind of makes me feel it's just the kind of feeling that i um i sort of crave actually through through sound so um so yeah it was recorded in 2001 19 years ago um it's a band called Roixop. some of you old folks like uh, me will remember it um it was off this brilliant album called melody am and it's called in space so i'll leave you with that until next time folks thanks for tuning in take it easy out there Remember, there are no passengers on Spaceship Earth. We're all crew. Until next time, peace and out.